Beyond the Wrench with Jay Ganinen from Wrenchway. Welcome back to Beyond the Wrench. My name is Jay Ganinen and I am your host. On this week's episode, we have the pleasure of welcoming Martin Morgan, who is the GM at Repair Shop Websites. And I think you'll get to know Martin through this podcast and see what a great guy he is. It really was refreshing to kind of have a conversation with Martin as he, he has a lot of the same values that we do here at Wrenchway. And I, I really, really enjoyed that conversation. I think you will as well. Really focused on marketing to technicians and and how to really keep your shop at the forefront of technicians mind just a, a lot of really really good insights and before we get started with the actual podcast uh, do want to take a minute to announce the winner of our higher or lower game for last week and it was Marcus Meeks with a high score of 34 unfortunately Martin did not turn over the queen of hearts and the pot rises yet again to $3,100. And I say it every week right now, this is the biggest the pot's ever got. And I think it's really going to be fun to give this away when somebody wins that. So if you want a shot at that, make sure you head out to the Wrenchway app, answer the challenges, play the games, and hopefully we get somebody to turn over that Queen of Hearts here soon to to win that cash. Marcus's $100 Amazon gift card that he won as a result of winning the weekly higher or lower game is brought to us by Sonic Tools. And I, I'm going to start by saying, if you haven't checked out Sonic, you need to. They have a lot of really, really cool packages, especially for new technicians, really high quality tools, reasonable prices, and really good support beyond that. Just a really, really good company. And Sonic is a highly experienced specialist in the development and production of professional hand tools and toolboxes. With immense knowledge and expertise, Sonic has a growing reputation for its quality automotive repair tools and related products. And and what I'll add to that is some of their starter sets. I know we talk to a lot of shops out there that are looking for different ways to stand out to those entry-level technicians. And I've talked to both dealerships and independents that have used Sonic Tools as a way to get technicians in the door. And they do so by putting together kits that are very reasonably priced with you know, good quality, the organization behind what they do. If you go out and check out their website, it is just awesome. So highly recommend going out and checking out Sonic Tools. They've been a great partner of ours and really have some really, really good stuff for you. And I, I think for this week's podcast, you know, it, it really is something that uh, a lot of shops need to really understand that you know, we're not just trying to put a job ad out anymore. We're trying to become a presence in front of those technicians and showing them why you're a good place to work. And and Martin does such an outstanding job of kind of summarizing how to use your marketing dollars, how to know what to use your marketing dollars on and what relation there is from marketing to recruiting and, and really how that whole ecosystem works. So I think you'll really enjoy this episode. Martin's focus is primarily on the independent side, but I think anybody that listens to this is really going to be able to take home some great things. And for those technicians that might be out there listening to this, 
I, I would ask your opinions on what Martin has to say and, and really the, the specifically the points on a shop understanding why they're unique. You know, anytime that we're out on Wrenchway Insiders or the Wrenchway app, we're asking those questions and we're trying to get your feedback. This is a great episode to get your feedback on. So I hope you enjoy the show and look forward to talking to you next week. Take care. On today's episode, I am excited to have our good friend, Martin Morgan, who is the general manager of Repair Shop Websites on with us today. How are you today, Martin? Doing well, Jay. Great to speak with you. Yes. And one thing I'll uh, applaud Martin for is his patience because the last time we tried to record, my microphone just stopped working. So I had no idea why that was the case, but we rescheduled and Martin was kind enough to be flexible with us. So we appreciate that. Oh yeah, no problem. All right. So Let's dig in. Why don't we start with what is Repair Shop Websites? You know, what is the company? It, I, I don't think it gets more obvious than the name, but tell us a little bit about the company. Yeah. So from a, a name standpoint, we do exactly what you think that we would do, which is we build and manage uh, websites for auto repair shops. We've been doing that for 16 years now. And early on, of course, that was a big deal. Very few shops had websites and and building that out. And and we got to the point though, of course, over the past few years where there's more to really a web presence for an auto repair shop than just a website. So we've expanded out to the things that we do, things like Facebook, working on Google business profile, helping shops get reviews, all of those things that really focus on web presence predominantly to help them attract customers. Yeah, and great partner of Wrenchway. We we appreciate all of the the different types of conversations that we get to have. But one of the things that is is cool is your journey to get there. So what what brought you into this space in the first place? Yeah, it was a winding road, right? And, and many of us have those types of types of stories. I, I grew up in upstate New York. I, I went to Syracuse. That's not the only reason I'm wearing orange today, but it, it, you know, it plays into it maybe just a little bit. And so I was up there, was looking for a place that was nicer, let's say, because it's really cold. You know something about that, Jay? Yes, it's the worst. Yes, yes. I hate the cold. <laughs> it was very tough. And so I had uh, friends who had, who had moved to North Carolina, Raleigh, North Carolina. So I moved to Raleigh and Throughout my career, really, a lot of what I've done is worked in ways and for organizations that help small businesses. And to me, that was one of the things that I developed a passion for is, is helping those small businesses to be successful. At times, I've, I've been with the Technology Association working to help uh, small businesses across the state of North Carolina. And then with some other organizations, one in the HR space before I came here, really, where it was really focused on HR, especially for those small and mid-sized businesses that, that don't know enough really about many of the things that they need to know, but also some things like recruiting as well, which you know is exactly what, what you guys work on a lot. So it's, it's through that passion and then, and then working through marketing. And so when I first came here, it was in a, in a marketing role where it was really focused on marketing and, and getting the word out about us and what we do and how we help shops. And, and then as I was in that role and, and looking at the things that we do for shops through, through repair shop websites, it was just natural for me to just grow more and more involved in the different pieces, the, the parts, the things we have in place, the service that we provide and, and working to really help shops get the word out about why they're a great shop and why customers. And then sometimes also 
Um, I know we'll talk about some more here. Candidates, potential employees, techs should be looking to work there as well. Yeah. And I'm curious as to how did the transition go from maybe more of a marketing background into a general management background where it does maybe require a little bit more leadership and a little bit more, you know, and not to say that if when you're on the marketing side that you're not providing leadership, but maybe it's a different kind of leadership or more people to lead with different backgrounds. How, how did that transition go? Yeah, absolutely. It's one thing where you've got marketing people and you're working with marketing people and you're talking about marketing and, and you're looking for a vision related to marketing. To some extent, it's a whole different thing to move into a role where you're looking at that from a, a full business standpoint. And what does that mean to the people involved? What does it mean to the customers? And it, it, it's, it felt, at least it's, it's felt to me that working throughout my time in the marketing role really positioned me to, to better understand all of those things. So that from the standpoint of what does the future look like? What do we want to do? What do we need to do now? And what do we need to be looking for in the future? It was it was kind of natural, you know. If 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 we were if we were an organization that provided legal services for auto repair shops, it would be much a much harder transition than than it is when really what we're doing is providing marketing services. So I think all of the all of that helped, and and just having the opportunity to step into maybe smaller leadership roles along the way helped put me in or helped me feel confident strong in that type of position to, to jump in and then say, okay, here's where I think we need to be, or here's what the process is going to be for us to get where we need to be. And then including people in there and, and listening, you know, a lot, I spent a good amount of time early on, just, just listening to, to a lot of the really good folks we have on the team here who are working with shops every day and just asking, you know, what are you hearing from the shops? What's happening there? What are those opportunities that we have? What do, what do we need to work on maybe a little bit or what might we be able to do in the future that's going to really put us in a great position to continue to help the shops? Well, and that helps you get buy-in from the team and and really, you know, they, they take ownership in a lot of it because that's something that they've had input on. I, I think maybe, you know, you had said something there that I think is really relevant to that independent shop owner or manager where a lot of times they came from the shop into a leadership role and didn't get those incremental steps up to be able to kind of get their feet wet in it. And instead they're just kind of thrown in the lake and, and Hey, you're leading people now. And, and I, I think for those folks that are listening out there, being able to understand that piece and and not just plucking somebody from the shop and throwing them in the seat, but giving them opportunities to take little bite-sized steps in the direction of leadership so they really understand it is really vital because when when you take somebody that's really good at what they do and then throw them into a seat where maybe they're not as comfortable or it's a different skill set altogether, it can really kind of truly feel like a fish out of water. It just doesn't feel natural because they haven't had that exposure that you were lucky enough to have to. Yeah, that's and that's very true. And and that part of my background in in HR working for the consulting firm for like eight years helped as well, just because I'm very familiar with those things, right? The one of the worst things you can do is take one of your best individual contributors, or it often happens in sales where somebody's just killing it on the sales side. They get made sales manager, sales director, and all of a sudden, you know, they don't they don't have the skills to really manage the people. They knew how to sell. They were a hundred out of a hundred at selling. But the people management side was was really challenging, and we're we're really blessed here to have such great people 
on the team and, and our service team especially has has for years really been working with customers and, and providing really good service just to be just by being attuned more to you know listening listening well to the customer it's something I always try to remember too is for team members just listening understanding asking valuing opinions because people are dealing with the shops they're hearing stuff every single day they've got very valuable feedback to give and, and we've got to make sure that we're we're listening and have our ears open for all of those things yeah and that's that is that is so important but I think what we're going to talk about today is marketing in shops and we'll get to kind of how that relates to how they recruit and how they get the word out in general. But I want to start off with kind of a vague question, which might be a little challenging, but really I want, I want to start off with asking you, what is it that most shops do wrong when it comes to marketing? I think now a lot of what they, they do wrong is, is they're not using marketing to solve their biggest problem. So we'll we'll ask you know time after time what is, what is your biggest problem we we'll ask customers we'll ask prospects on the other side and you know a lot of times we'll hear especially on the prospect side well I'd like to hear more about what you do but I can't take any more business right now I'm down a tech or two and and all of those things so a lot of times what what shops will do is they'll just continue to market like they usually would for new customers and then you ask them what's the biggest problem you have right now oh I need techs. I really need text. Do you need more customers? No, I don't need more customers. <laughs> don't give me more customers. I can't handle them. But yet, and, and marketing for new customers is important. It's not something you should totally stop. I, I'm certainly wouldn't wouldn't say that. But if your biggest problem right now is finding text, then repurpose some of your marketing in an effort to help you find more text. You know, don't continue all those things that you're doing investing to bring in new customers. I think the key is consistency in both, right? And what happens a lot of times in the in the experiences that I've had is that they'll always market to, to customers. They're always on the gas pedal, on the gas pedal. And that's something that I bring up with a lot of our, our clients as well is, do you have trouble getting business? Well, no, I, you know, we've got plenty of business. Do you have trouble getting finding techs? Yes, we're, we're desperate for techs. We can't find them. How much is your marketing spend on... On yeah. customer, you know, facing marketing, and how much is your spend on technician facing uh, marketing, and not only just spend, but like the efforts behind it, and you know, being able to repurpose some of that content or be able to appeal to them. And I think one of the struggles, and I'm really interested in hearing what you have to say here, is how you do that. You know, the the mix on a website between customer facing and uh, technician facing. And a lot of times I think it's overwhelming for any, not even just a small independent shop, but any any organization to put enough content out to do both well. But how, how do you how do you divvy it up so it's clean and you're not sending customers to the technician side of your website and technicians to the customer side of your website? You know, you know that 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 yeah. piece is it can be really confusing. It it definitely can be. And I, I think part of it is is you want to consider hopefully you're working on a marketing plan. You've built out a marketing plan. You know what your messaging is. You've got those things in place. You understand what tools you're using to get the word out. And, and you, you've got that. But, but lots of times, shops don't really look at recruiting as sales and marketing. But it really is. It's sales and marketing. 
through and through. It's all about sales and marketing now. Now, you know, 20 years ago, it may have been different where the shop had all the power. You put an ad out, you get 40 applicants, you interview the applicants, you pick the best one, you know, they're going to take it. You're good. Now it's a whole different thing. It's competitive out there. We know there's a huge shortage. We don't have to tell anybody about that. But but what are you doing from the standpoint of thinking about that recruiting effort as sales and marketing? So once you start, you make that leap and you realize, oh, this is just as much sales and marketing as it is to get a new customer, then you start to build out your marketing plan for recruiting and really thinking through those pieces. Now, you know, what is my objective? What is my messaging when it comes to recruiting? Now, where do I need to be to both attract people, but also to continue to get that message out there so that when somebody is looking or perhaps you you can connect with others who know somebody who is looking, who can recommend you because of what they've seen either through your website or on social media or when they brought their car to your shop. There's, there's lots of opportunities. And I think the other thing is, as a, as a shop owner especially, you've always got to be thinking about that. One of the things I always emphasize is always be recruiting all the time. And sometimes that means you just talk about a great work environment that you have or some something you've established with local business people who may know somebody else and they might give you a referral. And sometimes that means that you know, you've got your eyes open for techs who are working in dealerships and may not be happy or at other, other repair shops. And so you, you've got your eye on those other folks who might be there. And you're thinking through all those pieces and all those parts, because usually just like with customers, there's almost never just one source of customers, right? And sometimes you'll ask them and they'll say, oh, yeah, well, somebody told me about you. So I looked you up on your website. I saw all your social media. And then I saw this other thing. And then something happened to my car. And so I called you, right? And you look at that and you're like, okay, well, what do we credit that to exactly? Same sort of thing on the recruiting side. If you're doing all those things, then it's going to pay off for you. But if if you're doing none of them, then it's certainly, you're not going to get anything. Yeah, that's very much what we preach at Wrenchway too, is that there's not one silver bullet that's just going to take care of this for you. You've got to kind of... Word of mouth, job boards, you know, getting that... Word of mouth to me is still the best way to get good talent in your shop. But in order to have word of mouth, you've got to have people that will actually know that you're hiring and that care about you, right? That, that you know, there's a lot of independent shops. I use my dad's shop as an example. They have a extremely loyal following of just really, really good customers. Their team might isn't as big, right? They probably only have four or five technicians at the time at, at right now and some office personnel. So it's not like you can spread the word that great through through their own internal team, but being able to call on your customers to 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 help them out, you know, you, ultimately you're hiring to make their lives easier. So asking favors in that regard is is a big deal. I, I think that's it's so fun to listen to you talk because it's very aligned with what we think and what we preach to all of our clients as well as just having that plan. And I guess I'll segue to that next piece is that when they sit down and think about a marketing plan and maybe they're including some of this technician, you know, recruiting piece to, to their plan and, and 
they're putting all of this together and they're like, oh my goodness, I was already intimidated by just doing a regular marketing plan and now I'm adding this extra piece. How do you make it less intimidating on somebody? Right, right. And that that's part of the question, right, too, because you don't want them to feel like, oh, they're just shoveling more stuff on me and I can barely <laughs> handle what I've got because that's not really what you want it to be. I, th- I think part of part of what's really helpful and, and people don't think about enough is that if, if you're creating a great environment, if you're doing things with your team members, if, if things are happening, it's it's capturing those instances where that stuff is happening and it's including it on your website. It's including it on social media. You know, if you're doing, if you're, if you're putting together uh, an event or some sort of program for your team, take some pictures or have somebody else take some pictures while that's happening. So people are seeing that in action. You know, if you're doing something in the community, maybe you're hosting some sort of event again at, at, at your shop, you know, have somebody take pictures, capture those pictures and put them out there. Because if, if, if you can capture all those in visuals, it, it helps to write everything up, right? But if you can just show a picture of what it means to be at your shop or what happens or, geez, for that matter, even, you know, it's the end of the day and, and you know, some of the texts you're all, you know, having fun and joking around and it's a, just a great atmosphere of teamwork. Take, take a couple of pictures or shoot a video and just share that stuff because that's, that's so genuine and it's what people love to see, especially now. That goes a long way. It's just a matter of taking the time to capture it. And I'll tell you, I'm somebody who's terrible at taking pictures. My wife will tell you that. Same here. I, I, I want to just enjoy the experience, right? I'm like, oh man, we got to take this picture and it kind of takes away from it. So I'm bad at that too. So I totally understand. But if you find somebody who works at your shop, who maybe it's something they like to do. Maybe they, they you know, you, you just take out, a, take out the phone, take some pictures, put them on social media. You start to capture those things. And it's one of those things that always seems like a lot when you haven't started doing it. But it's important you just get started. And don't, don't try to make it perfect because if it's genuine and natural, it's probably going to have more impact anyway. So the process of getting started you learn, you change, you do different things. You start to really capture the essence of, of your shop and what it means. And then those things really shine in all your marketing efforts. And I feel like if you're doing it consistently, the, the people you have working in the shop get more uh, comfortable with it, right? I think if it's just the one time that you go out and shoot photos, you're going to get kind of awkward photos and the guys in the shop are going to rib each other that they're, you know, they're getting put on the website or in some photos. But if you do it consistently, it just becomes kind of a background type of thing. And and not only that, I think it triggers you to to grab your phone and, and take some photos. You know, if you're doing it once a week, you can get some really great content. I think we're lucky as shops, right, where you've got new content rolling in the door every single day. There's something different every single day. So being able to chronicle that, it helps paint that picture of a really fun place to work. But then it also, I think, helps build trust on the customer side as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and that's a, that's the thing is we, we talked about them almost separately as far as trying to get customers and then recruiting for employees. But a lot of it is intertwined because customers really want to go someplace where they know that they 
the employees work together, that there's teamwork, that they, you care about doing something very well, that you're going to give them really good service. They understand that, that that stuff happens with really great teams. And so when they see that happening in your shop, when they see all those things, that's going to make them feel uh, more comfortable. It's going to make them ultimately want to be loyal. It's going to build up your credibility because people like to do business with businesses that are great places to work because happy cup, usually the thing that most helps create happy customers is happy employees, right? You, you build up happy employees. You're going to usually have happy customers, but if you miss that middle spot, oftentimes it's a bad customer experience and that results in, in lots of bad things. It really does. And I think when people overthink this part way too much, where they're they're trying to, what what am I going to do? What am I going to take a picture of? You know, I see Jimmy every day, and I like I don't see anything different that Jimmy's doing every day. But when you start to look at all of the different content and the different things that Jimmy's working on, and maybe Jimmy can do a video on how he thought through this repair and explaining something to a customer of this is how it works and this is why we charge the amount that we do, right? The visuals, you know, I know something in the automotive repair side that's really gotten popular are digital inspections. And it's because visuals paint pictures that you just can't explain in words. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love those. You know, with the, the Top Shop profiles and the work that you do, you all do with customers and creating those videos that that are so organic, the way that they're built and, and having people just walk through either things in their shop or how different things operate. And, and just the appeal of that, is, especially as you look to, to younger generations that are so video centric, when you've got something like that, that's exactly what they're looking for. And, and you're telling the story of, of your shop just directly and in a really strong way. And, and it doesn't have to be super complicated. No. And you just hit on a really key point tell your story. And that's what's going to separate you. And, and like you said, the, the two are intertwined, the customers and the techs in terms of the content that you create. And if you tell your story, there's a reason why these reality car shows, reality TV car shows are so popular. It's because they're telling a story. People get to see the back end of the operation and see the personalities that are in them. And there's so much impact in in that piece to where maybe in the past we kept technicians hidden in the back and we we you know didn't maybe want them customer facing but the more you can represent them as being professionals the more you can represent them as really not even representing them just sharing their story and showing how smart they really are helps you when you go to you know increase your labor rate right because that's something i think a lot of shops are really hesitant to do. They don't want to alienate their their customer base, but at the same time, they see increasing wages and the price of everything currently skyrocketing. And in order to keep open the doors, you've got to keep up with that. And to tell your story and show those personalities, I think helps you justify that when you do go for that additional ask. Yeah, I think that's definitely true, especially when it comes to customers. And then when you're looking for, for employees, right? Because if if, if there's a, a tech who's who's looking, or maybe they're not super active, but they're just seeing what's happening, maybe at some of the other shops around, and, and they, they come upon you, they find you online, and they look and they see these videos, and you're really, you're showing your techs 
in a way that's different from what they see in other areas. I like I liked how you mentioned it, Jay, how it was almost like they were hidden in the past or, you know, it was like a big black box where you take your car in, you talk to maybe service advisor and, you know, no text will be seen behind maybe just this little window. And so people don't really make that connection, that that connection with a person. And now all of a sudden you're you're a shop who you're putting your text front and center and somebody sees that opportunity that you're presenting and they're like, wow, that's really cool. I love what they're doing. They're looking at this as a completely different type of, of job than oftentimes it is in other shops. You know, if, if I decide I want to do something, I might, I might look there. Maybe I'm just going to inquire anyway, but it gives you that really that chance to influence them before you even know that they're looking for you for something or even at your shop. Right. And it's really employer branding, right? At that point, it's, it's, it's getting your message out there constantly so that when somebody does have that inkling to, to maybe start looking elsewhere, you come front of mind and there's so much power in that, especially with such a, with the shortage we've got right now, we say it all the time, but it, still seems to not resonate as much. It, there's just not enough people to fill all the roles, right? So you've got to stick out to the ones that are good technicians and, and are potentially working at a different location in order to, to draw them. One thing I want to touch on there is this is something that I've seen in the past, and I'm, I'm really I'm, I'm curious as to what your take is on this when it comes to maybe that shop that isn't overly proud of maybe the premise that they're in or the the location, their shop might be a little older or outdated or something like that. And I don't want to say they're embarrassed by it because they put way too much time and work and effort into making these businesses fly. But when they're trying to look at, you know, the Taj Mahal of a dealership down the road and they're thinking, okay, how do I, how do I even compete with this? any advice on, you know, even from marketing to a customer standpoint that you would have for a location like that? I mean, is is there anything that you suggest to your clients about whether it's content or types of marketing and ways to to get your reach out there so that you do get more customers and more techs in the door? I, I think the first thing goes back a little bit to one of the things you said not too long ago, which is telling the story. And, it, it, and that also happens on the tech side, right? Because all, all things being equal, and I know they're not all equal, but let's say, you know, there, there's 12 to 15 service places within an area, maybe that a tech could work. And again, they're not going to be all completely equal, but they're going to be kind of close. And it, when you're in that situation, what, what is the tiebreaker for you? And for a lot of people, it's going to be, you know, believing in the leader. So if you're able to tell your story in a way that inspires somebody, that helps them feel uh, a bit a part of something bigger, perhaps, than they might somewhere else, almost nobody wants to go someplace where they put their head down, they show up, they work eight, nine hours, maybe more, they leave, nobody acknowledges them, you know, they don't get a thank you, they don't feel like they're doing much more than, you know, just maybe turning wrenches or, or something like that. You know, that's not a great work experience for anybody. But if you're able to present something as as being a part of something more, and that's true for customers, telling your story really tell talk, talk about that to the extent that you that you can. So on a website, it might be a video, it might be something that's in writing about you know how what, the history of the shop, what happened, where was it found. Then the other part about that, I think, where you can really have an advantage 
it, again, is that human connection, making that human connection with somebody. Because a hundred times out of a hundred, if you line up two shops next to each other and the one shop looks amazing, beautiful, the best place I've ever seen, someplace you feel like you should be, you know, feel good about taking your vehicle because it makes you feel good because it looks so good. But you know what? They treat people like crap when you go there versus that sh- that other shop. It's run down, might be a little small, doesn't look real nice. You know, you don't get the, the warm and fuzzies necessarily when you pull up there, but you do as soon as you walk in the door because you've got somebody great who's there as the director of first impressions, who connects with the customer every single time, listens, is empathetic. And they do the same thing on the phone, because if you're on the phone and you're calling, you haven't even necessarily seen it, although you probably saw pictures online, right? So if you can make that human connection, you can overcome all sorts of other shortcomings. I agree. And I I think that's where oftentimes we talk about culture, but that might not be, you know, I, I we'll talk about culture and maybe that manager or owner will kind of roll their eyes like, yeah, I know, I know we got to work on it. And, and, but that's the stuff where culture comes into play because if, if you're setting the tone with, you know, how fun you are to work for and you're the one setting the tone for how much fun everybody else has in the shop, that's, that's going to go a long way regardless of what your branding is, regardless of everything. Of course, branding and, uh, presence, you know, whether it's online or brick and mortar really matters, but that personal side goes so far and, in being able to treat your people right. And, you know, being able to, to, I don't know, elevate everybody in the organization to really want to help people out. And I think that's really what wins people over. It, it's not, it's not the mansion of a building. It's the people inside that building that really matter. That's a great point. Yeah, it definitely is that that is really important. I think the other part when you when you consider culture, right, an, an owner, an owner doesn't really own the culture because they they can they can they can ruin it. Yeah, they can ruin it, you know, within minutes if they if they say something or treat somebody poorly. But if you can get all the people to really own the culture and that there was one of these I, I heard this some time ago and it just always sticks with me but usually it's mentioned as a brand, like employer brand, but you can think about it as culture as well. It's like a sponge, your culture is. So it soaks up everything that happens around the shop, all the good and all the bad, right? So you want, if, if you can make sure that you've got lots of good, even if there's a little bit of bad, it gets overcome by the good, right? So if you can get your people to really take ownership of that, you know, everybody between that customer relationship, between the relationship they have with each other. Everybody's saying, you know what? We spend a lot of time at work. We want to be, we all want to shoot for the moon and do really good work and serve customers well and treat each other well and enjoy it and feel like a team. And you're able to attract more people like that. Then that's when you really know that, that you've got a great culture. I agree. And, and I think all of the stuff we talk about marketing really it, it the core foundation to all of that is being a good place to work at in the first place and just being a good a good business in the first place because you can do all the marketing in the world but if if you don't treat people right 
It isn't going to matter. You, you've got to have a good place to work at and a good place for people to, to want to bring their car or vehicle or truck or whatever it is into your shop. Foundationally, it has to be good. Absolutely. We, we've all had those experiences where it isn't, right? You know, pick, pick one of the last ones you had where you where you went someplace or you called someplace and you were just like, wow, that that something's going on there because clearly those people are miserable. Restaurants right now. (laughs) There's probably a bunch of them. And and to some extent, you know, those people, it's because they're short staffed and they're struggling. I feel terrible for them. Yes. They might be the one industry that's in worse shape than we are in terms of finding help. (laughs) Yeah, it very well could be, depending on the the day and the time and where you are and and all of that, potentially hospitality as well. But that's, that's definitely tough. But the people make a huge huge difference. The Wrenchway app helps technicians in the automotive, diesel, and heavy equipment industries by making it easier to search for jobs, highlighting the best shops to work at, and gathering feedback and ideas on how the industry can be improved. The app is completely free to use and can be downloaded in the App Store or on Google Play. We've included a link in the show notes with more information. So let's go back to the marketing plan in general and, and talk about marketing maybe at a more granular level when, when we dig into this. First and foremost, how, how does a, a shop allocate their funds, you know, when maybe they're really starting off in their marketing journey right now and really want to get serious about this, but aren't really sure of what budget to, to kind of lay out or set aside for for marketing is there any rules of thumb or anything, any suggestions that you would have for that company that, that might really be trying to, to put together a, a strong marketing plan? I think one of the first things I would always say is consider your audience. You want to know your audience as much as you possibly can. So who are those people that you're trying to attract to your, to your business? You think through demographics, think through what's their current life situation, all of those things. And then you start to be able to paint a picture of, of, what they're about, and, and then how are they being influenced? What what are they using to learn about new local businesses, about local service businesses, especially? And then that helps you understand how to make decisions around where to spend your dollars. So if, especially if you have an, an older market that, that you're trying to reach. You know, you want to know that. You want to understand how do they operate? How do they make decisions? What might I be able to get into their hands that's going to help them choose you as a shop? But also, what are their decision points? You know, so you want to want to try to map those things out. And, and when I mean get something in their hands, that very well might be their phone. You know, how how, how are they looking for local services. If, if you live in an area where things like direct mail still work and they can very much still work, then you, you want to know that these are people that make decisions through direct mail. If if you know that it's an area where there's a lot of decisions made through social media, you want to make sure that you're putting forth an effort on, on social media. I, I think that the, the backbone currently for, for much of that is stuff related to the web. So that's, that's making sure that you've got your Google business profile really completed as much as you possibly can. And, and Google business profile is free. It's not something you have to pay for, uh, but it can take some time and effort to really build that out. Al- along with, along with a, a website, 
because people still look at websites as one of the key factors on the web. It's one of the things that they'll often look at just to verify that a business is legit, especially if they're bringing one of their largest investments to, to work on, to have that business work on it. Well, that truly is their storefront on the web, right? That is what's painting the picture of how you are to work with. And, and you know, I think a lot of people are genuinely concerned about their branding as a company. And if your, your website's not on point, you know, one of the funny parts to me about websites as it relates to recruiting technicians, and one of the things that always drove me absolutely crazy back when I had started Find a Wrench before Wrenchway was we'd have shops call us up and we're like, oh, we're just desperate. We're desperate. We can't find techs. And I go out to their website and a lot of times websites weren't all that great. And then they would have no posting for a, a, a technician, a, a, like a career opening for a technician on their website. And so that was always my first recommendation was even before they signed up with us was to say, hey, add add a, a job opening out there because technicians are looking at your website too. You know, they're, they're using it as a way to do their research on you. And if they don't even know that you've got a job opening, how in the heck are they going to apply to it? Right, right. Absolutely. And it was one of our questions on the, the Wrenchway app that we asked, we asked and, and just recently got the results as far as if, if, if you're considering a shop as, as a, as a tech that, that you might work, that you might interest, have interest in, you know, wh- what do you look for on the web for them? And 100% said, yes, they look on the web. And 92% said that they would look at everything they could possibly find. And so when, when you think about that from that standpoint, it, it's important to, to manage your presence on there as well. So what, what I would always encourage shops to do is, is Instead of trying to be everything to everybody and on every single social media, you know, and, and really spread yourself too thin, if, if you can, invest in two and put the time and effort. And by invest, I really mean it's it's a lot. Time and effort is, is what it is. And if you can't do two, then just do one and try to do it really well, as well as you can, or, or work with somebody to help you do it really well. Because as you spread yourself too thin, then if if techs or potential customers try to find you and they find you somewhere else, and maybe it was that Instagram page that you created three years ago and you posted once and now it looks dead, anytime that they find that, they're just going to think, oh, they're not in business anymore. There's no recent posts. So so you're really risking that sort of thing. So So focus on those things that you can put the time and effort to dedicate yourself or again, work with somebody to have dedicated resource to doing that well for you. I learned that the hard way early in my business in trying to do all things everywhere. And, you know, I think now we've got a marketing team that really does a good job. They're, you know, they're on TikTok and I never in a million years (laughs) ever gone on TikTok. I don't, I I have now I have TikTok, but it's literally just to watch our videos to see what's going out there. And it is incredible what the, the presence is out there. But it would have been something that I had no idea how to do or to this day still don't quite understand why it's relevant. But it is really relevant. It is really, really popular. And we get a lot of technician engagement out there. But, you know, for, for that typical shop, TikTok might not be the best form because it does take some proactive creation of content. And 
you know, maybe focusing on Facebook where, you know, it's not just young people on Facebook anymore, right? It's it's the whole broad audience. And you know you're probably going to have a pretty good impact on Facebook. So make sure your Facebook is in really, really good shape. Absolutely. And if you do have an older audience, really, you're more likely to find them on Facebook or connect with them on Facebook. And the, the, one of the things there, too, is just always always be sure to ask people to follow you because that's critically important on Facebook. If nobody's following you, they're not going to see you. So you've got to make sure that you're asking. And it is, a lot of that is age dependent. And it, it's so interesting just seeing some, some, some of the, the, the big trucks like in our, in our neighborhood and they always have, an, they'll have an Instagram, you know, right on the back windshield. I'm like, wow, that's pretty interesting. But if you're in something like performance or mods, then you got to make sure you've got an Instagram account and it better be good yeah. because those people, you know, lots of people in that audience, that's where they are. And they want to see that, that those visuals, they want to see, you know, all, all those modifications and, and the, the big tires, the big wheels, all of that stuff that that's where they're looking. Well, that's the kind of stuff that just really shows up. Well, I, I I'm, have you seen, say that the typical independent shop owner, maybe they've got uh, the, the husband kind of runs the operations maybe, or wife runs the operations. But one interesting piece that I've seen shops use are their kids. So, you know, they've got that 12 to 17 year old kid or 18 year old kid that is still, you know, kind of a presence around the shop and might not be working in the shop and is sitting around all summer and they're like, man, I want this person to, you know, I want my kid to get doing something. Well, they might be really, really fascinated with social media. So why not use leverage their talents there that maybe you don't have to be able to capture that content? Yeah, for sure. For sure. That's, and, and that's a good example of somebody who might be there to take pictures because since they've been tiny, right, they've been used to just taking pictures on the phone because as parents, right? A lot of times we just gave our phone to our kid and let them like amuse themselves and take a bunch of pictures. And you say, oh my gosh, look at all these crazy pictures. Isn't this funny? So it's so natural to them. They don't even think twice about it. And they have a, a good eye for how to capture different things, especially as they have gotten older into, you know, the higher single digits and into the teens. And, and so it's just so natural for them and social media is natural to them. And and they can probably do some things for you that you you wouldn't even think they would have the ability to do. But even compared to five years ago, you can use different tools online, or even like iMovie, or if you're if you're using something like uh, Canva for social media, really low cost. Just the abilities that you can you can or the things that you can do on there, it blows my mind because you think about like. InDesign or something like that, even a few years in, no, nobody could really use that unless you were a high level designer, or, you know, it's like, no way. But now it, it's so much easier. Well, and I think shops think so much. We talk about it all the time in our content in trying to bring up the next generation of technician, but maybe we ignore that that person that is going to college for marketing after they graduate high school about maybe bringing them in as an intern to be able to do some things. And it not only helps them learn marketing and maybe work with some of the marketing tools uh, like repair shop websites that, you know, the, the shop already has. 
it, to, to be able to not only help themselves, but to help the shop out. And there's, I think, I feel like there's a really big opportunity there that a lot of shops miss out on because it can be a fairly inexpensive resource for you to have consistent content and make sure stuff is getting done. And then you're holding that person accountable rather than trying to trying to do it all on your own in something that is probably something you're not all that comfortable with to start with. That's a great idea. I love that using an intern for, for that sort of work who they really know their way around the internet. You know, completing a Google business profile for them is probably going to be nothing. You you know the information, you just tell it to them and they're able to put it in a format that's going to work in social media as well. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. So let's talk about getting the word out there in general. So we've put together a marketing plan kind of understood what our demographic is, who the people are that we're aiming for. And then, you know, we're, we're creating content and trying to get it into different places. I think a lot of times that's where people get really overwhelmed and then things don't happen consistently, consistently, if I can say that. How, any suggestions, you know, obviously the easy thing to do is to call you, right? And say, hey, you know, take care of this for me, get rid of this for me. But even when you do that, you still need the shop's help to, to get that content and get that information, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. Because they're they're the experts on their shop, right? They, they know more about it than anybody. Hopefully they know the differentiators and, and what makes them great. Obviously they know the history, so they need that. They know, they know some, some specialties that they may have and the details about some of those services that they have. So it, it, it's thinking through some of those things. It's thinking about messaging. It's thinking about where where you want to be and how to get that message out there and how to get it to the audience as, as well. So I think when you, when you think about distribution, I think the other part you want to think about is how can you build your audience? So we, we always, always, always encourage shops to ask happy customers for reviews. And we're often surprised at the small number that actually do that. Well, now there's some great tools that you can use that via email or via text, you can ask people reviews. But the other things you want to do is ask them to follow you on Facebook. Ask them if they'd be willing to give you their email so you can reach them via email if you've got a good CRM that enables you to do those things. You know, but think about staying in contact, staying in front of mind, which is one of those important things, we get hammered with a seemingly a billion marketing messages a day, right? And, and part of the goal is just continuously being there. So when that need arises, you know, they, it's gone above the mark. They know they need some sort of service or auto repair. They know who they're taking it to because you've stayed front of mind. You've given them a great experience. And now you've reminded them of, of that experience through the things that you've tried to interact with them on as well. I like that. And that, I think, segues into what I'd ask next, which is the traits of really good shops, the, the ones that you work with. I know in our, in our clientele, there are some shops that are just head and shoulders above everybody else in the way they do things. There's others that are working toward that 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 direction and others that just don't have the time and they are really struggling to keep their head above water when it comes to marketing and not only marketing, but really their, their business in general. Right. And so I, I want to focus here on what we see in the best shops. Like when, when, when it comes to marketing, 
what are they doing better than everybody else? What are they doing different than everybody else? And, and is it just as simple as like, hey, you, you have to do this stuff consistently or are there things that they go over and above on? I think one of the, the number one things, and we, we talked about this, is really that customer service. It just, just investing in employees and making sure you've got the right team there, especially those people that deal with customers. Those, that customer experience is so important because if you give a customer a great experience, you've built that credibility, you've communicated with them well. Communication is, is, is it's so important. And, and a lot of times it's taken for granted or, you know, there's not as much of an understanding of what type of impact that has, has on a, on a customer and their, the likelihood that they'll come back. So I, I think you're, you're focusing on those important things and you've got that core built out. And then it is, it is a matter of doing different things well and consistently. So when you're thinking about something like a web presence, it's, it's that website that's set up to search well. So people looking for you are going to find you. It's, that Google business profile that, that you've, you've completed everything that you've can, you, that you can, you know, you've played, you've played the Google's rules. And, and if, if so many people are searching for local services on Google and they are that you build out that business profile, you take advantage of every opportunity they give you and that you utilizing that it's, it's consistency of asking people to follow you on Facebook, asking customers, you know, maybe even giving them like a business card as they leave. Hey, please follow us on Facebook. Sometimes we put specials on there or other types of things. It, it's making sure that people are involved in, in all those different aspects. And I think it's, it's, it's looking at it beyond just one thing. And another, because another big aspect of that is community. We haven't talked a lot about that, but but you, what you do in the community can have a huge impact on the uh, perception of of your shop. So it's it's that's another thing that you that you absolutely want to want to be involved in. Yeah, we we ask that question of our top shops that are on our program is what do you do in the community? And it's important not only to customers, but uh, and to, to a lot of employees that might be looking at you as a place to go, you know. It's, you know, are you on your volunteer fire department? Are you involved with the local chamber of commerce? Are you, you know, that, if you're doing the roadside cleanup volunteering, you know, I think that that means a lot to a lot of people. And I think, especially when you look at millennials, I think it, that that purpose and doing more than just your job, I think really stands out and puts you different in a different viewpoint than if you're just checking in and checking out and, you know, all you care about is your business, then maybe they're, they're, they're not as inclined to reach out to you and, and develop that conversation or develop that relationship. Yeah, it's definitely true. We, we always work with our customers and try to get the best understanding of what they're doing in the community as possible. And then, and then ask them as far as what kind of local links might they be able to get if they're supporting an organization that's willing to put a link on their website, you know, for ABC auto repair, that, that can, that can really matter a lot to, Google because it looks at those local links. It wants to see that you've got, you know, a web of different links locally can give your your shop the advantage when it comes to web presence and, and help you rank above others. So that's that shouldn't be the only reason you do that, but that is a reason. And it's another place where you want to make sure to, to snap those photos and those images as well. But I, I think it from the question that you asked, Jay, as far as what are those that are doing the, the best when it comes to marketing are doing, I think that they're clear with what they're trying to accomplish, that they're, they're focused 
on those things. And, and they're doing multiple different things to help them in multiple different ways of things that are customer centered. You know, they're not just doing something on a way because they, they think it might be cool to do. Now, you, you totally can and should experiment. I'm not saying, you know, don't try some things because absolutely try, try some things, try and fail on some things and, and you learn and you can move forward. But, but they're, they're working on that core stuff. They're focused on that core stuff. They're, they're not just chasing the bright, shiny object every week and, and getting away from what they've said is their core. Yeah, I, I couldn't have said that better. So let's tie all this together. They, put, they do everything that we talked about. How do they knew, know they're doing a good job at it? How do they measure their results? And, and maybe not just in the amount of customers or revenue they, they bring in or hiring that new technician because they saw something on your website, but really how do they know that they've got an effective marketing program working for them? I do think that that measurement is important and I think it's consistently doing that. So every time that somebody either calls or comes into the shop, just asking, you know, how'd you hear about us or what, what, you know, what brought you into without getting into the crazy details about like attribution and marketing, we'll leave that for a, a different discussion that will probably ever happen, but it, it's just asking, you know, and the, cust- the customer might just remember the last thing that they saw, or they might remember the first thing, but, but don't spend too much time worrying about, just, just ask, ask the question and then start to tally that and look at those things. And, and depending on what type of CRM or shop management system you have, that might be easier or harder to do, but, but just track, track those things, pay attention to what's working and, and then you've got the, the data to be able to say, oh, th- this is something that works great for us. This isn't working so well. Or do we, need to, do we need to tweak this a little bit? Do we need to do a little bit of something different? But I think the, the other thing is to be, set, set your expectations and, and be clear about what you hope to happen. You know, if, if you're the type of shop that has the bandwidth to really build out a marketing plan where you've got goals for how many either new customers or uh, candidates you hope to attract through different sources, then you you absolutely want to track that and you can do that. But this is something, especially if you're asking people when they come in or call, that's as easy to do as just having a notepad and, you know, keeping the tallies. We've, we've all done that at some point of our lives, right? So you just say, all right, this came through this, mark, mark, a, mark a notch there, there we go. And then at the end of the week, just adding them all up and, and notating them them somewhere else. But then you really start to get a good feel for what is really working and, and what is not. What might I want to change? Because I think it should work. Like I read a bunch of stuff that says this should work. So what might I need to change to make that work is, an, is another way to look at it. Yeah. And it really validates all the work that you're putting into it, right? I mean, so you're not just going and snapping photos for the fun of it. You're you're doing it strategically and in knowing what works and what doesn't, you know, there's a lot of A-B testing, right? Comparative testing to see, yep. you know, maybe you are starting off with two social platforms and you find that one just doesn't work at all and the other works great. Well, obviously, you know what to shift your, your focus to, right? Right. And I think that, you know, it's very common in marketing to talk about A-B testing and maybe shops don't do that as much as they should because that 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 can really help you when you start to really dive into, okay, this works, let's leverage this, let's do a really, really good job with this. And then as you get comfortable with that, maybe you can add something else on and and really evolve your marketing as a whole. 
Yeah, it's totally true. And I think that's another area where we can let the perfect get in the way of the good because we're like, we think about, all right, A, B testing. Oh goodness. Let's, let's wait. A and B are not enough. We need C and D and let's, you build it out. And it's just so complicated that you're like, oh, I can't do any of this, but just, yeah, simply testing. It might be, you mentioned one or two different social media and see what happened. And you might look at that by comments or likes or something like that to to make the judgment on that. Or even within your own Facebook feed, you might do something. All right, we're going to do educational posts and we're going to do an engagement posts and we're going to, we're going to judge by likes and we're going to do it over the course of a month and see how many likes we get on our educational posts and how many likes we get on our engagement posts. And, you know, we're, we'll find out, we'll do 50, 50% of each. And at the end, you know, maybe we'll we'll change the, the ratio and we'll do 75% of the most popular and 25% of the other one. But it is, you know, t- tweaking that formula so you can continue to, to make that connection with customers and potential customers. Well, and I think that you, you hit on a really good point there is not only the different platforms, but the different types of content that you put out there. And I think maybe a common error that a lot of shops make regardless of size is it's always sell, 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 sell. And rather than putting out good content that people genuinely want to read and a, a lot of the shops that I, you know, that I follow, there's some that do them just extremely well, do videos explaining a different type of repair uh, or showcasing a personality. But I would say the majority are saying, okay, this is our special and the happy holidays. <laughs> it's like there's not a lot of extra content in there. It's just the straight to the point. We're running a special this week and then it's Christmas. So then Merry Christmas. But there's not a lot in between there. Yeah. And that, that is tough. That, oh, that kind of hurts my heart when I see that sort of stuff. Because why do people go on Facebook? Not to be sold to, right? They go on usually because they want to see what's happening with family members and friends, maybe to create their pretend life that makes it seem like everything is wonderful, you know, all of those things, but they're not, they're not looking to be sold to. They might be looking to buy if you can, if you can present something great to them. We we always encourage people to use the 80, 20 rule, at least where 80% of your posts are either education or engagement type stuff. And 20% might be selling where selling is more like, Hey, we've got this oil change special or, you know, buy three tires, get one free type of special, but, but really build that relationship because I'll, I'll tell you for any potential service provider that I may come across. And, and if I see that they're giving me value, they're sharing information and we, we, we can use shops, but they're sharing information on how I need to know when my tires might need to be replaced or what are those sounds that let me know that the brakes might, might be getting toward end of life or or anything that's going to educate me to help me be a better car owner and more aware of what certain type services that I might need or may not need because may not is a big one as well. That's the type of thing that I'm going to, I'm going to follow. I'm going to connect with that provider because I know they're going to provide me good information. I'm going to learn stuff from them and they're probably going to post some funny things here, here and again, you know, so that's also good. But if they're just hitting me, especially first time I see them, buy, 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 you know, off now. Yeah. The ears shut down, the eyes shut down. You just, yeah, it's numbing almost to get sold to constantly. And I I just look at it, you know, so many 
people that I talk to struggle to come up with things for content. And a lot of what you just said there in terms of the type of content you put out there is already happening in your daily conversation. So when you go up to explain to that customer at the counter about, you know, why your brakes are squeaking or, you know, whatever that conversation is for the day, jot it down on a notepad, hop on a video and talk about it because that person isn't the only one that's got that question. And you could have a follower from all the way across the country get get relevant relevant you know information and education out of that and that might not directly impact you but it really does develop your web presence and establish you as a as an expert and that's ultimately what you're there to do is is define yourself as an expert and and become a trustworthy business for them to work with yeah i love that and that's such a good way to do it you're 100% correct and we, I've through the years encouraged people when they say, oh, we don't have any content. What we're right, well, what are the questions you hear from customers all the time? And all of a sudden they can give a list of like 10 to 15 questions. All right. Each one of those is a piece of content. You can build that out. You can make it big. You can make it small. Up to you. And, and one of the things on the Google business profile that's great is there's a Q&A section. And a lot of people see that and they're thinking, okay, well, somebody's there. They ask you a question and then you answer. Well, the great news is that's not really how it has to work. You can plant all the questions yourself. So right in your own Google business profile, take those five to 10 questions you always hear, you know, type in the question, type in the answer. And now you've, you've presented yourself as an expert on all these key things that somebody might be wondering. So if they come across your Google business profile, they see your great reviews, and then they see your credibility and your expertise. Who do you think they're going to call? They're going to call your shop. Yeah, I... I say this all the time. I truly believe it. We are so lucky because we've got these these shops that are just straight up content generation modules, right? We have so much good content that's the coming into the shops. And, and I think as we move forward, it's already hit us, but I think it's going to get even more and more important to to put that content out there and be proactive with it. It can't be a secondary thing anymore. It's got to be forward-facing, customer-facing, technician-facing, and you have to be intentional about it. You have to have a plan and you have to execute on that plan. Otherwise, it's just going to get put by the wayside again, and you're going to be coming back next year and wondering why nothing changed. Right. And a lot of times what happens is a business will say, well, I'm not going to put that content out there. I'm going to show somebody how to do my what we do for them. They're never going to, they're going to stop coming to us. And that is, is definitely not the case, especially for something that has the, the technology uh, things that happen within a, a vehicle. And especially as technology continues to grow within a vehicle, we'll often, you know, if you looked at our website and you look in our blog, you probably have to search, but we've probably written something about everything we do for a customer. So if you just, if you took the time as a shop, and you wanted to read through all of that, you would, I mean, there's no real secret sauce there, right? It, it is all right there. And most often what happens is that somebody comes to us and says, oh, I read that. That was awesome. Can you do that for us? You know, same sort of thing. You know, <laughs> we it, have the it, same thing. Yes. Yeah. Look, I mean, and look at if I'm, if I'm, if I find a shop's website or the Q&A thing on the Google business profile, I'm looking for something specific. I see it there. I have no ability to do any of that stuff. But, you know, I love to know that I'm taking it to somebody who knows exactly what they're doing. So when I see that and I read that, I'm going to be the person that calls the shop to say, hey, that looks great. I think that's my problem. Can you do that for me? So it's this, it is this, it's the same sort of thing. It's the same sort of approach. It's, 
It's sharing your expertise, knowing that, sure, there might be some people who take that info, they're going to make the repair themselves. Okay, it probably wasn't that sophisticated of a repair if they're able to do it that quickly, or they might be really talented. It could be that also. But more likely, you're going to attract people who are going to see that. They're going to see you as the expert. They're going to reach out to you, and they're going to want you to perform that repair on their vehicle because they they trust you. You've built that credibility. Yeah, the, the pros far outweigh the cons in that scenario. I mean, it. I don't even think it's in the same stratosphere, right? It, it is when you put this out there, you get so much benefit out of it. And especially when it's that educational stuff, people eat that up. I eat that up. I'm on YouTube all the time looking up how to do this, you know, and especially if it comes to home repair, <laughs> I'm terrible at that. So being able to to look it up and, and like you said, in, in most cases, it ends up with me calling my local appliance person or my local plumber or electrician and saying, hey, you take over. That That's your bag. I don't know anything about it. You're just better at it. So I'm just going to hire you to do that. Totally true. And that's the funny thing, right? Because the younger generations get criticized to some extent because they're not willing to do some of those things, but they're really good about valuing their time. And if they can just hire somebody to do something for them, most times that's what they're going to do. Yes. My dad and I are completely different. My dad will do (laughs) everything. And I... I'm like, I know what I'm good at. I know what I suck at. I'm going to hire the stuff that I suck at. And and hopefully that makes me a more efficient person. But to each their own, I think it, it as in anything, it, you know, if you're good at something, leverage that. And and I think that same thing is true with, with marketing in the shops. And, and don't be afraid to reach out for help. I've got one last question for you before we end the podcast. Yeah, sure. What is your stance on responding to a negative Google review? Absolutely mandatory. You, you've got to respond. You, you know, don't get in a he said, she said, or she said, she said, or, you know, one of those instances, or he said, he said, respond very professionally, encourage them to reach back out to you to, to have a conversation where you can work through the issue. And, you know, if I, I would say if, if it is somebody that clearly didn't go to your shop, then in those instances, respond professionally and feel free to make that point. And oftentimes what can happen is, is you can protest the review and it will be removed. But if clearly something just happened, people, people understand and look at it more from the standpoint of your response is more for any potential customers that you might get than it is for that specific customer. I mean, if you know, it's a situation where things you just didn't deliver your best service that day, and you want to make good on that, then great. If it's one of those misunderstandings where it seems like you were just on the wrong page from the beginning, somebody wasn't happy and wasn't happy, that's going to happen to all of us. I don't think there's a single business out there that hasn't had that type of situation happen. So if, if that's the case, respond professionally, you know, feel free to say you're, you're sorry that they had a bad experience, that your shop always shoots to give the best possible customer experience. You'd be happy to talk it through on the phone. Um, to see if you can come to a, a good resolution and, and at least present some sort of level of happiness. All right. Well, this has been a great podcast. Uh, how, how do people get in touch with you, Martin? So repair shop websites, you can go to our website, which is exactly what it sounds like, www.repairshopwebsites.com. You'll, you can also certainly reach out to me via email. It's probably the easiest way. And my email address is martin.morgan 
at repairshopwebsites.com. Love to hear from anybody who has any additional questions or any way we can help We can help you. Uh, feel free to reach out. Yeah, Martin's just a, a great resource. You're lucky that you've got an easy last name. My last name's Ganinen. It is a disaster when I try to get people to, to spell out that in some type of communication. So you're very lucky there. But thank you so much for being on the podcast and taking time out of your incredibly busy schedule to to help educate our listeners. I, I learned a lot through the course of the, the podcast and just really appreciate you being on. Yeah, thanks, Jay. We really appreciate it. Really, really proud to be a partner with Wrenchway. Appreciate all that, that you all do for, for shops out there as well. Same to you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you.